Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and Attention Coach Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD, College and Procrastination, a Lack of Cognitive Skills. With us in our virtual studio is Leslie Josell. Uh, before we get into our show, uh, real quickly, our program is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free copies of Attention Magazine in a digital form. To get yours, it's simple. Listen to our show. Several times we'll share a secret word. Write it down. Listen to another show. Uh, for its secret word, write that word down. Then just email me those secret words in email. The email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When I receive it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current issue of Attention Magazine and a PDF copy of the next issue when it is printed. We have a little tip that we're going to share from Chad, and then we'll get into our show. Are you struggling to find solutions to create an ADHD-friendly home? Chad has the answer. Parent to Parent Family Training provides practical strategies and solutions to help with everyday life and family challenges. Individual courses start at $19.99 or the entire bundle for $99.95. Bring more peace into your home. You deserve it. Start today at chad.org forward slash parent number two parent. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. A little disclaimer before we get into the show tonight. Uh, this was actually pre-recorded at a location where it turns out we had some Internet challenges. When I did the interview with Leslie, it just kind of clicked. Sometimes I do interviews with people and it's really kind of magical and you realize that you really kind of can't recreate it at that particular level. And so as it turns out, there are, I think, three or four moments where the audio is a bit difficult to understand. It's a little kind of warbly. Um, so we had a decision, either redo the interview or to hell with perfectionism and say good content's good content and let it go. And since perfectionism is often a challenge for those with AT, we thought we would model it and say we're going to release this. The content is really, really good. For those that are annoyed or challenged by this, we very much apologize, but we also ask for your respect because I do think this is a very good show. It was really done well. Leslie was a great guest, and so we're going to let it roll. So. Leslie is an academic life coach for teens and college students with ADHD. She's an award-winning entrepreneur as the co-founder of Order Out of Chaos, helping parents guide their students to success and learning in life. She's the creator of award-winning academic planner, a tool for time management, a planner that helps students develop and master time management skills. 
She's also an award-winning author of three books, including the recently published How to Do It Now Because It's Not Going Away, An Expert Guide to Getting Stuff Done. She's a respected resource on ADHD and executive functioning in students and is an internationally acclaimed speaker. She has been featured in many national publications, including the Washington Post, Attitude Magazine, Forbes, Family Circle, The Learning Channel, Better Homes and Gardens, Attention Talk Radio, Good Housekeeping, Hallmark Channel, Yahoo, Parenting, and others. To learn more about Leslie, go to her website at Order Out of Chaos. The website address is orderoochaos.com. And with that, Leslie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me back. I love being here. I always love having you on. You know, I I love my job um, as an attention coach because it cracks me up because so many people pay attention to things differently, but a lot of times they use very different language, and we're all paying attention to the same thing, but it looks really, really different. And uh, Leslie had reached out to me, and procrastination is one of those things that I, I see, I, I feel a little bit differently than the rest of some other people out there in the world. But Leslie and I were talking, and basically she did a survey with some college students talking about procrastination. And it's funny, her vernacular is very different from mine, but it gets back to cognitive skills and stuff. And I really wanted to have her on to talk about this and kind of like talk about how she sees it, what she's got, and how a lot of it's we have some things in common to help people kind of get their arms around it. So, Leslie, tell me about your motivation to do a survey with people about procrastination, and, and we'll kind of go from there. Sure. So I've been at this for 16 years, and when I say at this is I pretty much only work with students. So, and within that, it's high school and college. So I want to make that clear. Um, I don't work with adults. We work with parents. Like we help parents help their students, but we do not work with, um, let's say, adults with ADHD. So bottom line is it's time for my third book and I was talking with my publisher and he's like what's your hot topic like what are you hearing not only from your students but from your parents and I'm like it's all about procrastination all roads lead back there but what was really important to me was that it was not a book that would only be my voice that I really felt that there was nothing out there that amplified my students like that, what they're feeling, what is going on behind the scenes, you might say. So we had a lot of fun with it is we literally went back to as many students as we could find. So I want to make this clear that it's anecdotal. It's not like scientific research, but it's anecdotal. But I think even I sometimes feel, and maybe you might not agree with mm-hmm. me, that anecdotal is actually better than, you know, because you're, you're in the trenches and you're really getting a firsthand look of what's mm-hmm. going on. And we asked them some very funny questions, like, what's the best grade you ever got for work you never did? To, like, what, you know, how did procrastinating really affect your life and why and how and all that? And so what came back, now, I kind of knew it because, again, I'm in the trenches, but it was very clear what stood out. It wasn't muddied. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it was, yes, there were other things, but there were two very, very profound, I felt, reasons that showed up in in the data so to speak and but along with that was that definition that i use for procrastination also became much clearer so that's kind of what happened behind the scenes and i really feel that it blended an element of realness to the book because you're not just hearing from someone like me you're really hearing it straight 
from the student's mouth. I, for, I just have a flashback to the 60s. You know, like Art Linkletter showed kids say the darndest things. Yes. You ask these questions, and all of a sudden, real truths kind of come out, and you go, oh, God, that's, a little, that's a little twisted, but there's really something I see, and the kids point there. So I, I, just, I, I, and I just had a flashback because you can get some of the darndest things from kids that are like blatantly obvious that we don't see. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, though. It helped you refine the definition of procrastination. Tell us about that. I think that when we think of procrastination, because you have to understand, like, I feel like I work both sides of the fence, meaning I, we spend our day in the trenches with students, but we also spend our day in the trenches with parents. So when parents come to us and they talk about procrastination in their students, they stop the definition at my student puts things off, right? They stop there. Mm -hmm. I, I prefer the definition of true procrastination is putting something off knowing that there is a consequence on the other side. And I think having that as a definition, particularly working with kids, really helps them. I mean, and baseline is feeling better about themselves, but really being able to tap into their best practices on how they do things. So there's a challenge out there of is technically putting something off procrastination. If you were planning on doing something on Tuesday and you decided that I don't want to do it on Tuesday, but you got activated and did it on Thursday, is that really procrastination? Did you suffer a consequence for it? And being able to discuss it under that lens, I find, number one, has completely motivated my students to say, you know what, that doesn't work for me. This is what works for me. I'm not procrastinating. So, and, and also being able to help parents understand that there's not a one-size-fits-all solution or method, I should say better, on how to get things done. second part of that definition in my world is really powerful. I'm having a little aha right now because I, when I'm working with people, I talk about task Darwinism, and so how sometimes when you have everything in front of you that you need to do, it might be number 40 on your on your list, but if you do it right now, it take you three minutes. If you did it another time, maybe you have to drive out of your way to go get a stamp or something. It could take 30 minutes, and so from a cost-benefit, it makes more sense to do it now, and sometimes you put off other things to later. There's also that notion of there's that list that's endless, and there's a lot of things you put on the list that you want to do, you think you should do, but you don't have to do. I like that. If there's no consequence to it, is it really procrastination? Because it kind of goes into that task Darwinism and wish list type of a thing. So that's, I, I, really, I really, really like that. Mm -hmm. Really like that. And again, this is all anecdotal, but I, I see it every day. There, for whatever reason, consequences have a huge, are hugely motivating for kids. Like if they, and they get it, meaning not all of them. Where you know this, Jeff? I don't need to say this to you that we're not talking in absolutes. There's never absolutes in there. Yep. There's no one all. So let's preface that and get it out of the way. But something as simple as we coach our students and we check in with them during the week and we send them a text, let's say, and they don't answer us. And then we work on that, let's say, during a session and say, hmm, you know, we find it interesting that where, you know, we text you and it's hard for you to text us back. You know, why is that? And their response is, well, there's no, con you know, it's a low consequence or no consequence if I don't text you back, but I would never do that for a professor or a boss. You see my point? They get yep. that. They, they understand that line in the sand of like, okay, here's where that consequence is going to be impactful, and here's where it's eh, not so much. I think that procrastination looks very different in a student. I really do. And so I'm finding it fascinating because I have been doing so much 
reading about it, and there's not a lot out there on kids or students. Way more on adults, obviously. So what I'm having another aha is like, so they're actually filtering based off of what's important and what's not important in the now, because we know people with ADHD, there's two kinds of, there's now, there's not now, right? And so they're responding to what's important now. But yes and no. I don't know if it's a now. I mean, I can I challenge you on that a little bit? Yeah, please. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's a now and a not now as much as it's a, um, you know, like almost like a scale of one to ten of importance or consequence driven. Because there are things that are that are now that are not consequence driven, and therefore I don't need to deal with it. I don't know if it's driven by a now and a not now. It's more of it's driven by what consequence am I going to face on the other end of my lens. I'm thankful for the challenge because I think there's a distinction here because I think there's a lot of merit to what you're saying. On the other side of it, sometimes people with ADHD have a hard time visualizing the future and understanding a consequence that's yeah. not immediate right. now. So, but I think that I don't think that that what I what I'm saying is absolute or what you're saying, but I think there's a little bit of both in there that we have to open our mind up with with uh, and understand that with kids. So, uh, thanks for that challenge and that clarification. I want to go to a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the two things that you that were surprising with regard to procrastination. Before we do, our secret word tonight is lack, L-A-C-K, lack. And um, Leslie, your book, how, how to Do It Now Because It's Not Going Away, An Expert Guide for Getting Stuff Done, uh, that's accessible on your website, correct? Yes, it is. Yes, yes. And, there, everybody, there's, check out her book. I mean, it's directly related to one of the things we're talking I mean, to our conversation today, but also she has a lot of other resources um, on her website. And her website is uh, order, orderofchaos.com. Orderoochaos.com. Oh, there we go. Okay. There you go. That's, that's helpful. <laughs> orderoochaos.com. Got it. <laughs> everybody, with that, we'll be right back here to these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Leslie Giselle, and we're having a great conversation about uh, procrastination, kind of from the from the lens and the eye of uh, high school students and college students. Um, so far, it's been well worth it. I've, I've learned a lot myself. When you did the survey, and they were, they were talking about procrastination, I like the definition re- refinement, but also, what are the two things that surprised you about procrastination from the eyes of the of the people you surveyed? Okay, so as you can probably guess, a lot of things were not aha moments right, like, you know, time blindness and, you know, organization and such like that. Um, the two things that really stood out, and and I have to say this, Jeff, it was even more how it was told, that always is my more my aha moment, was the first one was not knowing how to do something, something as simple, meaning 
that clarification, and I think what was the aha moment for me was that it was so simple, that if you do not know how to do something, you're just not going to do it. And I equate that right back to, you know, I talk a lot about executive functioning in our work and I, how I explain it to parents. You have to remember everything I'm doing is about a student is I want you to think of it, you know, a brain trying to lift a two pound, a brain that can lift a two pound weight. Super easy, right? No effort, you know, needed, totally strong enough to do that. Now hand your student a challenge, a subject, a skill that they don't know how to do. That's the equivalent of a 10 pound weight. And if they don't know how to do it and they don't have the strength to do it, they're just going to put that weight down and walk out of the room. And that was something that was really stood out was almost every single one of our students that surveyed said, um, I really procrastinated when I didn't know how to do something. I didn't have skill. I didn't know how to study. I didn't know how to plan. So I think that we don't really look at it that way. We don't look at it as procrastination as lack of skill based. So that was one thing that came out like across the board. And the other one, which I think is super, super powerful, is choice and control. And what came out of that choice and control was being able to do things, execute things in a way that worked for them. That students, for the most part, even students with ADHD and executive dysfunction are still told when to do something, how to do something, in a manner, in a way that they don't have choice and control over. That in and of itself, like, made procrastination, you know, their, what they did. Because, again, they weren't able to tap into their best practices. And wow. A little, yeah, and a little, a little shout out to me. One of the things that we work on really, really, really hard at Order Out of Chaos, and all of my coaches do this, is tapping into those practices. How do you best get things done? So they said that was something that really did work for them was, and the interesting thing is as they moved into college, it got better because in college you do have a little more, you know, mastery over how and when and, and yep. why. So very profound. That was really a high school thing, really a high school thing. So it's interesting. I have been saying for years that 80% of procrastination from my perspective is rooted, I use the word ambiguity. And I use that word on purpose because there's two sides of ambiguity. One, you literally just don't know what to do. The other side of ambiguity is you've got all the pieces, but you can't put it together in a picture inside your head. Your working memory is not capable of holding it all. And as a result of it, the fact that you can't see it all together at one time, it's ambiguous as how it's all kind of connected. And so one of the things for me that was really profound, I really feel like as a coach, my job is I coach the how. We talk about yes. what the outcome's got to be, but most of the people literally do not know how to do it. So if something simple is like, hey, I need to do a newsletter for my business, that's an outcome. Well, how do you choose the service that you need? Because, like, you could use Constant Contact or AWeber, and there's all kinds of issues with regard to um, important lists and do this, that, or that. How do you write content that people are going to be attracted to, that they're going to be drawn to? How are you? There's all kinds of ambiguity that's embedded in all these little things and people which just assume that you know how to do it so when you say that that totally resonates with me um and something else leslie is i i do a lot of like for me like when i was in boy scouts edge 
was something we were taught, educate, demonstrate, guide, and empower. So we educate kids on a square knot. It's really good knot because it doesn't slip. You use it for first aid. Then you would demonstrate it. Then you would give the rope to, on how to square, tie a square knot. You give it to them. You, they would fumble around. You'd help them, and then they'd go practice with it. And the thing about a demonstration is if you're watching it, you, can, you have a template. You have a, mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're going to do it that way, but you give them a place to start. And if you don't give them a place to start, it's hard. And I even have a YouTube video where I give the instructions to tie a bowline knot. It's literally very difficult for you to take the words off the page to do that. But if you watch somebody do it, you know how it is, it, it really happens. So that, that really makes a ton of sense to me. And, and, and I know there's so many times even where I'm dealing my world that they say, just do this. Like you go out into the internet and you're, all the advertisements, they talk about the end game. Hey, this is what it looks like right. at the end, but they don't talk about how you get there. Right. And it's so, so frustrating. We- so we do a lot of work with parents, and we have a lot of sayings because we find that sayings people remember, right, sound bites. And one of my biggest ones is telling is not teaching. Wow. Right. But that's, and that's it. I mean, I don't know if you even need more than that. And I'm not, listen, I'm a parent. My kids are grown and flown. But, you know, you can check me at the door. I am, by, I am by no means a perfect parent in any way, so I am not here to disparage parents in any way. And I am also a parent of a child with ADHD and executive dysfunction. So I've had to learn over the years as well. But I've been in the trenches for a very long time and see it. I call it like, you might laugh at this, but because I know you and I banter about language. And I think my language is a little more casual because, not because I don't understand the, you know, the realness behind it, but because of who I am working with, right? I know that I speak in a way that a student is going to get it. And I need to also speak in a way that a parent is going to feel like she's in my head. Yep. So when we say telling is not teaching, we're like, okay, two things on that. And this is really, really fascinating, I find, is number one is we are all as parents very good at saying to our students, and I'm sorry, we call them students, we don't call them children. That's just yep. how we speak it, order out of chaos. We'll say, like most parents will say, tell me what you have to do today. Right? And that's the, that's the equivalent to the two-pound weight. Most kids, not all kids, not talking in absolutes, are able to basically recite, you know, hopefully from memory, short-term memory, oh, I have a bio lab to finish, I might have some math problems to do. That's a two-pound weight. Now ask a different question, two different questions. Number one, do you understand what it is you have to do? Very different question. Now you've got a 10-pound weight on your hands because all of a sudden the student has to change that thinking and say, do I even understand what I'm being asked to do? Do I understand the instructions? Do I understand even academically how to get this done? Do I understand organizationally, time-wise? There's a million, I mean, I don't want to spend our time, but I think you understand. Do I even know how to prioritize what it is? So that changes, that's the thing we're asking parents to do is stop, not, not meanly, but stop asking what your child has to do and let's, I to dig into, do they understand what it is? That's and brilliant. We're getting, it's powerful. It really is because I do it. I do it with my students all day long. Do you understand? And the answer is no, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to study. I don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I don't know where I live in time. It, it becomes a very different dialogue. So I would I would. That's I would I would also imagine sometimes when you ask your kid, do you understand what's going on, their automatic response might be yes. 
which yeah. means, okay, can you explain, can you just walk me yeah. through it? And you do yeah. that because they haven't actually engaged the energy to think through it. They've made the assumption that they've done, but when you say walk me through it, now you're asking them to actually yeah. articulate it. And sometimes there might be a little bit of resistance because I, as I've come to learn, thinking is hard for people with ADHD and sometimes they just don't want to do it. But the point really is, is by asking, do you understand it? Can you walk me through it? You're actually getting them to stop and actually think about what they're doing so that they're clear, they're conscious of it. And if you can get exactly. that conversation going, you can actually then help them address what's really getting in the way. And that fact is they don't understand what to do. Exactly. And we do that all the time. We are, can you walk, like, we, so we laugh. We say we embrace the yes because we know that, you know, we'd rather hear no than yes because we know what's masked behind the yes is. So we say this to parents too. Like, they're like, well, what happens if my kid says, I don't know? I'm like, I love I don't know. I embrace I don't I know. You probably think she is whacked. But you got to remember the world I live in because I don't know gives you intel. I don't know you can start breaking it down and saying, like, okay, do you know, you know, you can, again, lead with more, you know, lead with questions, and you can see where that, you know, where the break in the chain is. So I don't know. I happen to really like I don't know. But my that's the first thing is the do you understand. And then when I go back to telling is not teaching, Again, it's as simple as we really laugh and we say you really have to limit or you have to stop doing what we call the, oh, by the ways and don't forget. I mean, that's just, and people laugh because they're like, oh, my goodness, she lives in my house. Like, of course <laughs> I live in your house. I live in my house. Right? <laughs> you're, or your kid is walking out the door of the room and you're screaming, not screaming in a bad way. You know what I mean? You're yelling, yep. oh, by the way, don't forget. Are you telling or are you teaching? Absolutely. Tell you what. We need to go to break right now for time. Everybody, our secret word tonight is lack, L-A-C-K, lack. And um, Leslie, your book, how, how to Do It Now Because It's Not Going Away, an expert guide for getting stuff done, uh, that's accessible on your website, correct? Yes, it is. You put that off her website and a ton of other great stuff. Clearly, she knows her stuff here. She's bright. She, you've got to go check this out. Her website is orderochaos.com. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back. We're here with Leslie Josell. 
Before the last break, we talked about um, kids not knowing how to do stuff or understand, which is brilliant. The other one I want to talk about is uh, choice and control. And this one to me is absolutely huge. And, and I, I've said this before on the show, and I say it all the time. It's convenient for society if you do it their way. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because we're all kind of pushed to the norm, yet we all do things differently. And Forgive me if I got this wrong, but Leslie, I think I had you on a show one time. We were talking about, I forget the name, but the, the title of the show, but it was like you close your eyes sometimes and yeah. bow your head in order to focus and concentrate. And that's how you do it. But if you – that's the cool part about my – that stuck out of my head. So if you're like in a job interview and stuff like that, you're taught you're supposed to stare into the eyes of the other person. Well, you – I'm hiring you for your talent, not your ability to look somebody in the eye, And but we're drawn to say do that. Or like for me, writing is difficult. When I got out into the business world, they wanted me, like, this is how you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to deliver content in written form. And I'm like, no, I don't do that. I do it auditorily. That's how the show came about. <clears throat> I did an interview with Dr. Russell Barkley on uh, mm-hmm. working memory. If you just Google Attention Talk Radio GPS, and we go through like his theories and what I do. We get to the end, we conclude that paper is high tech for people with ADHD. Yet we're forced in school and other things not to do that, and the kids are forced to do a screen. And this whole notion of you have to do it their way, not your way. And we have people whose brain wiring is a little different. They're capable people, but they don't necessarily do it the way that they're being forced to. And this totally resonates with me because it's almost like we want you to do this the most difficult way possible in an area where you already struggle. It just makes all the sense in the world. Like you're making this hard. It goes back to your – now we got a 100-pound weight on executive functioning. Why do we have to make this so hard? Exactly. So I, I don't think I could even describe it better than how you just did it. it you know, so, it's funny because when I go to people, I'm like – they say, hey, I've got to do this. I say, what's the easiest way to do this? And like – it's funny because, like, I was talking to somebody the other day, a doctor, about their, their, their notes or something. I said, what's the easiest way to do this? Well, I don't know. I could do it. Like, well, could you dictate them, like, quickly? They go, yeah. I go, if that's easier, why don't you do it that way? And they go, well, um, can I do that? I go, well, you're a physician, exactly. right? So you got to get – you have to get some type of transcription service that's confidential, stuff like that. But, yeah, they're out there, and you could do that and just have your office manager cut and paste it. I mean, change the world for this particular person. Because I just said, what's the easiest way for you to do it? And they go, well, this is it. And <clears throat> opposed to – with the pandemic going on, I find that people with ADHD, they're interactive learners. they got to think outside the head. they got to talk. they got to draw pictures. And they're all at home right now, and they're, they say, listen, you got to learn this. And I'm like, they're calling me. I'm like – you're being bullied to do this. this is the absolute worst environment for you. And you want me to give you a tip trick or strategy for that? I'm like, what would be easy? Well, okay, let's get a study partner. I, anyway, I don't mean to get on a soapbox, but this really resonates oh, no, with me. But, but you, it totally resonates with me. And on, obviously, this I to say, obviously, the book was written prior to the pandemic. So I think, I know this is going to sound maybe a little controversial um, because we've been Seriously, knee deep in this. I didn't say knee deep. We've been neck deep since March of 2020 um, with both parents and students. And the one thing that has come out of it is that some students did have more wiggle room in terms of being able to do things in manners that worked best for them. I, I have a student, a college student, who used to have to in electrical engineering at 8 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and could, just couldn't, you know, just did not work for him and. Now he starts his day at 8 o'clock at night, goes to 2 in the morning, and best year yet, because he was able to tap into the way 
work for him. So I'm not saying that that was across the board, but we have seen some of that come out of this, you know, of this, this very, very challenging year. Where, where this also comes into play with this choice and control of where the kids went deeper, it wasn't only about how they got things done. It was about where, let me remember, we're not talking about adults. We're talking about kids that are 15, 14, 15, and 16. And they don't always have choices there. So they live in, they live in homes. They have parent controls. Um, parents might have dictated to them, no, you can't be, you know, because I'm all about movement. I, I'm the movement queen. I don't know if you know this about me. I'm the one who has kids doing math in the bath, bathtub, because, yep. again, movement play down learning, movement helps us be less distracted, movement helps the brain be activated and engaged, and yet these kids are being taught, no, 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 you need to be in one place, door closed, in a quiet room, which is like the kiss of death. So it's not only about how, it's where they're doing things, when they're doing things. So we really bring in a lot of this, how do we counteract the choice and control? And I'm, I'm as a straight shooter as a guest, if you really distill it down, now this is more this is more high school kids or middle school children than college. They have less control on how they do homework. Homework is given to them very straight. You know, you go to page fifty two and you do problems one through five. However, where I have really worked hard and where the breakthrough has come, believe it or not, is in studying. Because when you can sit down to study for, for an exam or even write a paper, you have more choice and control on how to get that done. You don't have to create a boring study guide. You can write a song. You can create a website. You can draw cartoons to learn, you know, about Mesopotamia or the Greek alphabet or however. And believe it or not, that has been my, like, mantra is how can we put choice and control into your day-to-day life as a student? And we see – so, anyway, I, don't, I could go on and on, but I want to just – I wanted to well, make that point. Yeah, and I, 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 everybody, we're, 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 just, we're just throwing all kinds of ideas out here to see how this manifests so that you can kind of get a sense of this. You know, it's funny because I've actually had people that I've coached before that have ADHD, and, and the where is real important to the point in time where mm. I actually had a person who would, would get in a room, turn all the lights off, and have a miner's light on their head. It was like a yes. spotlight, and it was to control their focus because if they could see too much in the room, it was difficult. But I've had other people that they need to be in a – I mean, when I say well-lit, I mean like sunlight-lit area with lots of stuff because if it's kind of dark. And that – it sounds kind of crazy, but literally those environments can have a big impact. Just like in coaching, one of the things that's fascinating is – uh, ge- we call it geography. I've had people stand on a stool in the middle of a room. I've asked them a question. And then I say, get in a closet in the fetus position, the lights off. I ask them the same question. I get a completely different response <clears throat> as a result of the change of that environment. And so I know this sounds kind of wacky, but it goes back to there's your way and then there's the other way. And if you're dealing with these pe- people and you're forcing them to do it in a way that's unnatural for them, it, it makes some sense. I can tell you right now, if you told me to go play golf with left-handed clubs, I'm going to resist it because I'm, I'm going to get frustrated because I'm not left-handed. And I, I'm, it's not the, the self-regulation that it's going to take to, to override the, my natural urge. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's not a pleasant experience, so I'll find every way to get at it, which when you put it in those terms, makes all the sense in the world. But I don't think parents and educators really look at it that way or help the kids actually identify what's your way. Well, I have to tell you something. You said that really. So when I've been, I get asked a lot to come. Local, you know, I work. We work. Our company is a global company, but I get asked. I live in Westchester, New York, and I do get asked to come into the schools. 
to work with teachers, teach executive functioning and that. And I sat in once on a class and to your point, there was a science teacher and she shut every single light off in the room and she held a flashlight. And she pointed the flashlight to what, and I was there to monitor a student. I was there to watch a student and to see what, you know, how he focused and distractibility. And I watched him in this class and she would point the flashlight to the to whatever was on the you know on the whiteboard she wanted the students to be focused on, and it was and that's and so she I went up after and I said that was masterful. I watched him. I watched every kid. No distraction. Everyone was focused. And she said, I call it flash lighting. I brought that home into my practice, and you actually exact with the minor's light. It's called. I mean, I'm not saying it's um, again. This is anecdotal. None of this is like there's you know, but. They now in school call it flashlighting when they shut off the, the lights and stick a flashlight on whatever it is, and they have found that it works. So, again, wow. like, brilliant what you said, brilliant what she did. Yep. But, again, it's, so I have the same thing. I have students that sit in pitch black rooms with just an over, you know, with a task light mm-hmm. to, to kind of do the same thing. And I have kids who are in bright open spaces. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to give a shout-out to something we have on our website that is free. So over the years doing all this type of work, we realized that every student, whether you were in middle school, elementary, up to college, had what I call a personal homework profile. It's just a better way of saying it. Um, And it's about, there's 16 questions that really tap into your student's best practice. So you would love it because it totally goes to everything you, (laughs) you preach in a good way. So it's about, you know, do you do but again it's geared to students i want to make that clear yep. so it's everything from do you need a big wide open space or do you need intimate cozy do you need yep. to juggle two subjects at the same time i have a lot of kids who work simultaneously because it helps to keep their brains activated and avoid that phase or do you want to do it one at a time do you need music do you need quiet do you need you know to see everything out or not do you need to be in this space or that space do you need to be under the kitchen table or in the pantry closet? Do you, you know, do you like to work fast and furious? Do you like to work with a group? Um, and we also have it for, and this is so key too, it's not a one-size-fits-all, even for what your student is doing. So you might have different best practices for homework versus studying, for reading, for writing a paper, or working on a long-term project. Wow. It's, it's really, and I've had adults say, can I use it? Because I can get, you know, I know you're saying homework, Leslie, but on or studying, but yep. I can I can use it for my own work practices. Because I really feel you need to tap into that before. And I we've seen people ask me all the time, like you've been at this for a long time, and your kids are pretty successful. How is it? I don't mean my own kids. I mean the kids we work with. And we say this is one of the ways. Not only we teach them how to study in a way that works for them, because again, we need to teach skill. But allowing them the authority over how they do things is life-changing, yep. not only to strengthen all their executive functions, but also to strengthen their self-esteem. Yep. So I need to kind of pull this to a close just because of a yeah. time perspective. All I am going to insert this is one of the things that I've learned as a coach that gets to both of these. When people are coming to me and they're procrastinating something, I say, what's hard? 
So mm-hmm. it's a diagnostic question because if they don't really know what to do, well, I don't know really what to do. I don't know how long it's going to take. Okay. If it's if it's an issue of it's hard for me because I have a hard time using this tool or whatever, well, what, then I turn and say, what would be the easy way of doing it? So I'm trying to switch them to, like, how can I take the ambiguity out of it or how can I find the right tool? And it's just a mindset and just a way of looking at the situation as a diagnostic way to start to dig into some of these things to kind of unearth some of the stuff that, that basically Leslie's been talking about and help people discover kind of what's there. So and with that, we got to pull this together. Any last nuggets or insights before we close this out, Leslie? I have a million, but I, can I give, I want to just say, um, this is my thing to parents too. Um, the third thing that came out of it was this feeling that everyone thinks they're lazy, that students really feel that that word lazy is a really bad four-letter word. And my mantra is, you don't, you don't, don't accept that you're lazy. Go back and tell whoever told you that that you just have a hard time sustaining effort. So. Well, it's. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Do, people tell me that. I say, well, what do you? If your kid was playing Xbox, it's not that they're not motivated. They're more play, motivated to play Xbox than they were to do the homework. And maybe it's because they don't know what to do on their homework. So if you help them understand what they're supposed to do, maybe they'll end up doing it because the elephant in the room is not acknowledging they don't know what to do. And so, hey, do you understand it? That can be the way to help them, and then they make that change because everybody. Everything you've ever done in your life, you did it because you're motivated to do it. Just because it's not what somebody wants you to do doesn't mean you're lazy. Of course, you got to find the motivation. My, my key thing here is we need to get the word lazy out of the room. I agree. I agree. So, all right, everybody, our secret word tonight is uh, lack, and you got to check out Leslie's website, her book, How to Do It Now, because it's not going away, an expert guide for getting stuff done. And so, Leslie, with that, thank you so much for coming on the show. Love being here. Thank you. Oh, everybody, her website is orderoochaos.com. Hope you've gotten something from tonight. Catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.